0: Welcome to the Returning to Joy podcast. I'm your host, Gabrielle Michelle Leonard. Here, we're leading people to cultivate joy through storytelling. We hope listening will reveal pathways to unlocking the healing power of connection so that you can see your relationships and the world around you transformed from fractured into flourishing.
1: It is finished. Christ on the cross before dying, giving up his last breath, mouth the words, it is finished. That is so striking to me right now. I'm going to tell you why. It's striking because rarely in life do things do that does the story feel finished. At least not to the point that we would like it to be right more often than not, we find ourselves in the middle of the chapter, in the middle of the book. We're caught in the in-between space. We're still waiting to know if things are gonna work out. We're not quite certain. Yes, we have faith. Yes, we're hoping. But the verdict is still out. We're not sure how this is gonna pan out and if it's gonna if it's if it's gonna happen in the way we're Hoping for it to, or wanting it to, right? We have dreams that we desire to accomplish, maybe a vision, a passion, but you're not quite sure what you're gonna, what it's gonna look like to get there. There's loved ones that you care about. I'm even thinking about people in my life who you're seeing the heartache. You're seeing their struggle and their wrestle and and you're not quite sure how the story's going to finish. What's going to look like. But what is certain and true is the story is not done right now. We often are in the territory of being in the middle. Being in the waiting, being on the journey. And so when Christ says something like, it is finished, man, that is going up against everything that feels natural and more, um, it's coming up against what feels more normative for our space as humans. It rarely all feels finished. So it's just an interesting thing for me if that in and of itself points to the reality of how much of this walk of trusting God is just that it is a walk of trusting him and holding in faith. Clinging to his words and trusting for them to be true, because it is not natural. It is not natural. But I want to share with you um, some stories of some things a story of something that just recently even happened that i think will bring encouragement i know it will to you i um my dad and i have been on this beautiful journey um of of just continuing our relationship has just been i've i've personally just have felt so full by the relationship with my father And that's been a long journey and process to be um, at this place of um, not just acceptance in regards to where he's at, but just uh, my eyes are seeing things that I've prayed for 10 years ago, 15 years ago. I remember 10 years ago, my eyes couldn't even see or wrap them. I couldn't wrap my mind around what an answer prayer would look like for my father I knew things that needed to change in his life or I wanted to change in his life or I knew and I knew things that I wanted to be different about our relationship and about the relationships in our family even as a whole but I did not know I my eyes couldn't even imagine I hadn't imagined yet what it would look like to begin to see the fruit of my my father's heart being transformed by the Lord. He always had a love for God, but just to be able to, for him to be able to experience even for himself, the healing that was needed in his life. And recently my dad said something to me that really struck me. And it, it shook up my understanding of story and my understanding of um, completion, if you will. See, I had spoke at a church two weeks ago, and I sent my father the sermon, the message that I preached. And he called me a couple days later, and he called me, saying he listened to my message twice. And then he said, and then he said, he thought to himself, can anything good come out of, I think he said, can anything good come out of Zion? I'm not sure, but basically he was like, can anything good? And then he just broke down and began to weep. And I'm, I'm beginning to join in that weeping because that's something that I'd never experienced with my father. I, I don't know if I have another memory in my mind where I can point to my father experiencing such brokenness with me and allowing me to be in that space. It's, that's a vulnerable space for any man, right? But my father's allowing me into that space and there's this brokenness that I hear. And then, I, then he begins to say to me, the fact that, because my, my, my parents are divorced, and he says something of the nature of like the fact that God we redeem even you and my, my, your mother and I's relationship to bring to bring out things like this, to bring out you, to bring out my siblings and what God is doing in that moment. My father was experiencing the mercy and grace of God, experiencing hope for his life and what he felt like was his mistakes Things that he made decisions that he made that were immature or things or things that he did that was in sin that did damage and caused pain. In that moment, I was hearing my father in brokenness and weeping. I was hearing the Lord connect a dot for him. What the Lord was doing in my life, the fruit that was coming up and showing up out of my life. Was an answer to his prayers. It was it was redemption. Here's the truth I want you to see in that. My life and what's happening in me, what God is doing in me. Was connected to the redemption story for my father. That blew my mind to, to witness that, to experience that and see it. Because sometimes, especially in this, in this culture that we're in today, where we want things to come immediately and quickly, I know I do. And so if we're going to see fruit in our lives, if we're going to see things change, if we're going to see the narrative change, we're like, I want to be the one to see it and I want it to benefit me. But I love the beauty of my father so humbly being encouraged by God. And seeing it as Christ's love to him, that he would bless his daughter's life, that he would bless his children's life. And seeing that as the mercy and grace of God upon his life. Because my father's story will not end with his death. My father's story, my father's life And the arc in history of what God is doing in my father's life will not end with his last breath. It won't even end with mines. It will continue on. There will be a seed that will continue on generationally. Because the Lord being faithful to his promise and being faithful to his word, being faithful to who he is, is so much bigger than our story, than the timeline of how long we are, we, we are alive here on this earth. There is the period of in-between from when we were born, from when you were born and when you will die. And I promise you there will be some things that you will see the goodness of the Lord in, in your lifetime. And you will see the Lord redeem mistakes that you have made. You will see the Lord redeem ways that you've hurt people. You will see the Lord heal and restore things that have been broken and things that you may have even contributed in the brokenness of in your lifetime. But the great hope is that there are also things that are felt that the Lord will heal and restore and, and, and speak life into Like his promise of faithfulness to you will actually supersede and go beyond your life. The Lord being faithful to my father does not end with his life. It trickles into minds. It trickles into my siblings. Christ is faithful to his work. He's faithful but that concept and that I don't even really expect for it to fully hit for the, those who are listening. And it's it's I don't know if I fully get it for myself. But there is something that is so upside down, you know, like consistently in Scripture, we see that Christ's way is so different from the way from what we know to value and from the way and the way we move and, and how we show up and be. It's better, though. It's better. I'm challenged. I'm challenged by the necessity to see the Lord as God of the generations. To see God as the God of the generations and not just the God of my timeline and my story. There's a reason why he was called consistently when 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 the people of God, when Israel was referring to him in the Old Testament, you'd consistently hear the God of of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. I think we miss something in not understanding that concept of the the history of God. That goes so far beyond us. It goes beyond our nearest ancestor. It goes on for Generations beyond what we're able to conceive his timeline did not begin with our timeline and it will not end with our timeline. And you know what? That truth actually can bring the security that we need. See, if God just began with me, if he began being good with me and if he stops being good with just me and even just with, not just with me with, if he stops being good with my generation, if it's all about my generation, then, man, that is a fragile God. I can't trust that God because his roots aren't deep enough. He's got to be anchored. He's got to be one who's been who's been existing far beyond me, and will and will and will continue onward. And we can like that concept. That can even be true for us. But it's another. But it also has to serve as something that brings about a conviction and challenges the way we move. Because understanding God to be good beyond us will challenge the next time we shake our fists at God because he didn't do what we wanted him to do when we wanted him to do it. It challenges those moments when we're hurt. It challenges those moments when we are experiencing an injustice when we are experiencing a trauma and we're shaking our head and we're like, God, I don't I don't know if, if you are good. If we're having those questions, they're real questions to be handled and to be had and to be wrestled with. I'm not diminishing having them. I've had those questions. But I've also been challenged by the reality and the truth. That puts me in my place. Of knowing that God's goodness isn't dependent upon my timeline and it's not dependent upon the timeline of my generation either. He's been good for a long time. He's been good for a long time. In John chapter one, I just want to point out something this you can see this beautifully in john chapter one but i want to point make make a notice of something before i wrap up this episode when christ come, comes on the scene in the book of john and we you know we 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 encounter john the baptist who points to the christ as christ is coming up about to be baptized by john and john says behold You know, behold the lamb who takes away the sins of the world. Like John is, is in awe and magnifying the name of God. And he is, and he is declaring who God is before the people that are there. And I have heard that so many times and I know you had to have heard it too, but I just want to place, I just want to place that story for you real quick. I want to give you some context. I want to make that more, that's that moment more impactful for you. Because you may not recognize that when Jesus comes on the scene in the gospels in this moment where you have this crowd gathered and they're gathered around John and can you picture it? Jesus is walking up and John stops everything and yells out, behold, the lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. I need you to get what's what's happening here in this moment. They have not heard from God in hundreds of years. I can't remember the exact timeline in the sense of how many hundreds of years, maybe three to four hundred years. But in the same way that God had seemingly gone silent while Israel was subjected to 400 years of slavery in Egypt, that's that had happened again. And it had been a minute. It had been a hot minute. Generations. Since people had heard from God. Okay. So anything that was happening in that period of time before Jesus comes on the scene, it was simply, it's why we have this, this is book called the Talmud. It was simply just people talking about, it was like the Pharisees, leaders, people talking about what they heard, what was, what was said, right? It was people just having discussions, people writing about what was written, That's why so many times you hear Christ say you've 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 heard it said or it was written. But I say that's why that was such a crazy thing for the Pharisees to hear. And people were so thrown off by the by the authority that Christ spoke with because he wasn't speaking on behalf of God as if he was just as if he was just a prophet. And he wasn't speaking, saying You know, in reference to what God said, he was speaking on equal terms with God. My father said my father does. He was speaking as if he was God. He was speaking as like he was speaking as God. That's what was so just stirred up people into anger or people into following him. They're like, whoa, the, authority. that's why they kept saying the authority by which he speaks. Because he, this is not a man speaking about God. This is a man speaking with the same authority as God himself. This is him speaking the very words of God, not saying it was written. If you've heard it said. So for, For years, centuries, generations, people had just been talking about what was said, about what God said. They were talking about what God said, which is very different than God himself showing up on the scene and speaking. And so when Christ shows up in this scene, being baptized by John the Baptist, and John is proclaiming about his identity and who he is, the people that were present would have been in such awe and there would have been such a sense of release of like, what? We have longed for this for generations. Generations. And I don't have any pretty way with a bow to tie this up. This was just on my heart. I'm still, still wrestling with it. But it's basically just this concept of like, man, we are not the only ones you are not the only one who has a longing within the depths of your soul if you're waiting to see the goodness of god if you're waiting for the lord to answer and for the lord to be his promise to you if you're waiting upon the lord you are not alone in that wait. Generations before you have waited. Shoot, some have waited, some generations, some people. There's been sometimes three and four hundred years without seemingly a word from the Lord. I'm thankful that we're not in that period. But I know collectively as a body, collectively as a whole and as individuals, we still long and wait Sometimes it feels as if he is silent and not speaking. But I just want to encourage you in this episode, but that the Lord is still good. That the story of God's goodness will continue. He will show up. He will be the answer. He is the answer. And according to Christ, it is finished. And sometimes We just have to trust and take him at his word that it is.
0: If you're hearing this message, you've listened to the entire episode. And for that, I am deeply grateful. I hope this episode resonated with you. And if it did help us out by sharing this episode and leaving a review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Most importantly, reach out to let me know how you're engaging with this episode and what topics you'd like to see covered in the future. You can connect with us on social media or get in touch with me directly at Gabrielle at returning to dot com to share your heart. I'll see you in two weeks for a new episode.